come on, man. I'm Biden. I'm I'm chill and I'm good old Joe and corn pop. All right. <laughs> then let's forget what we should have done earlier and continue with what we should do now. Actually, now would be a great time for you to go ahead and get ranting, man. How's your life been? Uh, you know, well, you know, more than most people, I would assume. Uh, yeah. You know. <laughs> I've well, just I mean, been the, like, you know, everyone got to, we got to have that parasocial opening. Yeah, sure right, right. Think they know hey, us. everybody, you know what my life is like. How would you like to be my friend? Um, but you know, it's it's been kind of shit. <laughs> it's been basically me working like sixty to six, seventy hour weeks, depending on if I've allowed myself to step away from my computer. I been driving into work, which is like two extra hours, so it. Ultimately, between me leaving my house and getting back to my house after before and after work, it's about ten and a half hours, depending on traffic. And then I on the weekends and usually later at night. Yesterday I took a night off, but I'll have to edit this other gig that I'm getting paid very, very little for, which sucks. But you know, I made this I made this bed. I gotta lie in it. How about yourself? Oh, I'm doing all right. Uh I've just started Sober October as of this recording session. Ooh. So, you know, we'll see how I feel in about a week when I'm in a constant state of headaches and anger. Yeah, I bet. But for now, you know, not bad. I mean, life is life. Obviously, you know, everything still sucks. But, you know, it's been kind of background noise sucking for me, whereas as opposed to your more active sucking. Yeah, I don't know. The the one jackass you told me at your workplace, which shall remain unnamed, uh, gave you a write-up for what? Trying to not... Oh get shit in your burned hand yeah no i burned my hand and uh they were they said i was using too much medicine taking too much time but the write-ups write-ups are meaningless at my job that's the thing. we have employees with literally over a dozen write-ups and doesn't affect how many hours they get or anything like that it's just a way for them to say hey we're gonna try to <laughs> hey. put our thumb down we, we're, we're we're big boss people here listen to us we're important it's them stomping around trying to prove they exist you know that's how it is yeah a lot of bosses. I mean, that's the that's the whole reason that they're like forcing people, idiots like me, to go back into the office is for those kinds of people to be able to do those types of things. Yeah, well, middle managers have to feel secure in their existence because in reality, they're very deeply useless people. They are incredibly un... Uh, yeah, like we would have... We wouldn't have managers in, in the, in the post-scarcity utopia. I think we yeah, would have would not be people, a position that would exist. No, certainly not this kind like my wife, Lucy, of course, friend of the show, wife of the show. She's uh, well, stage, well, stage managers are actually trying to. That's at work. That's a working yeah, they're job. They're trying to keep the, <laughs> keep a production. They're trying to keep things online, and that is one concern I've actually had with uh with a lot of brands. Utopia things like theater and fashion and stuff like that would be a lot harder to justify within a utopian perspective, and uh, we'd have to, you know. But that's not that, that's not for this episode. I mean, it kind of is. We were talking. You you had me watch. I I did watch the uh, Larry King interview with. Uh, Josh Fresco, Fresco yeah. yeah, from what, 1974? Yep, yeah, I had it all figured out. And that technology, I mean, it, it, sure, he was trying to be a bit futurist for his time, but that technology all exists now. We'll get to, we'll, we'll definitely, uh, actually, um, sorry, I shouldn't have interrupted your thought, but we'll get to all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I'm basically, I think that that's, that's a place where he he kind of addresses, he's like, we have the essentially universities, worlds of arts and education that are centered in that utopia. I think it's a little far-fetched because, I mean, we're basically dystopian in this place. We, we see a world that's collapsing and, you know, as sucky as that 
realization is. And as beautiful as it is to think of a utopia existing beyond it, it's it, it, it it's it's not gonna it's not gonna just be technologically wished well, into I mean, being. You know, any of that's far fetched. But again, I was kind of more talking about your thought on uh, talking about your wife's a stage manager because mm. we haven't even introduced right. the episode yet. <laughs> yeah, no, the, <laughs> the um. Basically, you know, wife of the show, she, uh, I think her job would remain in my utopia in the, in the post scarcity world because hers, and I think that they named stage managers incorrectly because stage managers, they're not actually like management. They're, they're laborers. They're, they're producers. They're similar. They're like the, they're, they're like line producers in my, in my field of work. People who, they're like second directors, essentially people who are, uh, you know, not even just facilitating, not just running spreadsheets, but like Lucy specifically is backstage. She's calling cues. She's making sure that everybody's hitting their mark. She's running well, I mean, the story essentially from a mechanical sense, as opposed to what management tends to do. And most of my jobs has been look over your shoulder and make you feel like you might get fired for like, I don't know, perusing Facebook once or twice while you're, you know, pretending to be busy. I'd argue that they didn't misname stage managers. They managed the show. What they did was misname managers. They should just be called – like supervisors is a more accurate word because all yeah. they're doing is supervising maybe. you. Yeah, overseer, that's probably even more accurate. But yeah, stage managers manage the show in a very literal capacity. So anyway, uh, but I, like I said, that is a little bit off track from uh, the big picture of our episode today, which uh, we – oh, yeah, I guess uh, – hi, all. I'm Phil. And I'm Kyle. And we are the Unsociablists. And our episode today is one that we've put off for a bit because it's one of the more depressing topics and we weren't really sure how funny we'd be able to make it. But it's definitely also one of the most important topics for any left word thinking person. And that is our current climate catastrophe. Yeah, uh, as we know from earlier episodes, I'm living in Philadelphia and we were, you know, because we're in the in the East Coast, people pay attention to us. But recently there was a huge kind of wake up call, I think, to a lot of normies living out here because we got hit by that by the remnants of hurricane ida and you know that kind of event is happening more and more frequently i mean the fucking what how many months ago was it that there was that giant portal to hell that like somebody had lit uh, a bunch of oil on fire in the ocean that shit was terrifying yeah. this is just gonna keep on happening cataclysmic events both man-made and natural are going to increase in frequency for the foreseeable future. And of course, our social, sociopolitical environment is encouraging us not to freak out about that, but to just keep, but to be more and more ignorant of it. Like how much of a big stink was made when Hurricane Katrina happened, which was long enough ago that we were definitely still in climate crisis, but not quite as close to the verge then. Back then they were like, oh my gosh, Hurricane Katrina, so much damage, so terrible, big deal. And it was a big deal. But now there's hurricanes happening. They're like, we'll talk about it for one day and then we just move on. Don't worry about it. Because... The worse the climate gets, the less they want us to talk about it. Right. I think that uh, Katrina in particular. I mean, sure, it was a bigger hurricane, too. But Well, yeah, but it was also it, it was one of those times where and I uh, Matt Chrisman and Chris Wade talked a little bit about that on uh, Hell of Presidents. It was kind of like one of the big first first. I mean, one of the very big collapses of public trust in uh, the institutions that are supposed to keep people safe from shit like that. The the crisis 
of the climate was secondary to the crisis of meritocracy where they were like, oh, my gosh, they so mismanaged this. You know, now we have people like Biden in charge who can manage our decline into a torturous uh, climate disaster. And as long as it's managed well, we don't uh, we're all happy to pat him on the back and keep saying everything is great. Yeah, it's so fucking silly to me that we think that firstly, that Biden is any better than either Bush or Trump or Obama for the climate, because what have any of them done? All of them have increased uh, drilling uh, of oil and natural gas. All of them have, uh, besides their cry that believe science is really supposed to be an important thing, like what does the science say? I mean, if it's coming from ExxonMobil scientists, if it's coming from fucking uh, the people who crashed the Valdez in Alaska, like what 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 am, what are they going to get? Yeah, that science uh, is just going to say keep drilling because my bottom line says so. Sensible secret service agent, sir, your two o'clock is here. This is. Barry Rivers, one of the top environmental scientists in the world. Thank you for meeting me, Mr. President. My last name's Biden, not President. Anyway, Jack, what are you here for? Well, uh, Mr. Biden, I was doing an exploratory analysis of our environmental stability, and it turns out that the 50-year time frame that you and your politically empowered co-workers keep referencing for how long we can keep using fossil fuels is simply inaccurate. Well, that can't be right. All the top scientists from ExxonMobil told me that if anything, we've got a hundred years left. Sir, you know full well that those studies are paid for and controlled by executives with a vested interest in keeping fossil fuels as the only viable option as long as possible. Yes, I'm sorry to contradict you, Mr. Pre Mr. Biden, but we barely have a decade left to massively cut back the use of gasoline and coal as sources of power. Come on, man. Call me Mr. President. Getting into this office has earned me some respect. But you just told me that... Anyway, even if I believed in your science mumbo-jumbo, it's just not practical. All our tanks and fighter jets and Hummers run on good old-fashioned gas. How are we going to pay to change all that? Sorry, Mr. President, but that's really not my area of expertise. I'm just stating the fact that we have to figure it out. Preferably while you're still in office. I'll help you out here. Sir... If we decided to scale back this country's obsession with war, we'd really be killing two birds with one stone there. Now you want to kill birds? I thought this guy cared about the planet, man. Anyway, we have to blow up the people living in those countries. Otherwise, we'll never convince them to plant more trees. Actually, Mr. President, that's something else I wanted to bring up. With the massive forest fires we've been dealing with over the last several years, coupled with no decline in wasteful logging practices, deforestation is at an all-time high. We really need to start an initiative to regrow these forests and maybe start growing new ones rather than creating more gentrified areas. Well, that doesn't make any sense. If we put up a bunch of trees instead of a new shopping mall, how's anyone going to make a business out of that? There's nothing for people to buy and rent in the wilderness. Well, sir, first off, camping grounds have shown that to be factually untrue. Second, with all due respect, we don't need to commodify everything in this country. I know you're a proud American, and you associate that with capitalism, but if we don't make some changes soon, there won't be anywhere for your grandchildren to grow up. Your bodyguard is quite right. I mean, 
bodyguard isn't quite, you know what, it's not important, carry on. We might be looking at something close to an extinction event before 2100 at the rate things are going. Now, fortunately, we have options to combat this. My personal preference is to cover buildings and cars in solar panels. It may not be an aesthetically appealing option, but it's incredibly practical. However, even electric energy is still in relative surplus, and the technology has come far enough that maybe oh, we can do it. I've had enough of you two ganging up on me. Come on now. I just want to let good old-fashioned Americans keep living the lives they like, and my grandkids already have tickets to the underground bubble city, so whatever. Maybe the next guy after me will be a little more afraid of the sun than losing money for the fine people who voted for him. But I care about the American people, which is why the, the thing is... But I was saying is, well, you get it. I'm sorry, Barry. You tried your best. I had a feeling it might go like this. I can't say I'm not disappointed, but thank you for your time, Mr. President. I already told you, man, my last name's Biden. And you call yourself a scientist. <laughs> Sensible Secret Service Agent. I do want to come back, though, real quick to what we kind of were hinted at earlier. Or I guess hinted at was the wrong term. Already said earlier, which <laughs> was the ideas of Jacques Fresco and uh, modern t utopian technological ideas. I mean, it's, not, it's far fetched in the sense of no one's going to go for it, but no one's going for any of the ideas that are being pitched that are even, quote unquote, more practical. I, I just feel like we may as well look at these utopian ideas and say, this is possible. Why aren't we doing this? Because it's not like we're losing anything by knowing that those ideas exist. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I don't want to seem like, I mean, I do seem like it. I know what I come off to most people. Most people think I'm a fucking downer and they're probably right. But like, I just think that the, the focus on like technological solutions to figuring out climate change, while they exist, of course, while we have these things, it's not really the, the like hard science technological uh, pieces that we're missing. It's the social technologies of forcing them to happen, forcing the change. It comes down less to whether or not we have, you know, solar panels or we build these silly like neo-Athenian worlds where robots act as the slaves to produce our, you know, more elevated thought as the people who live as artists or as scientists or as free thinkers or whatever, as philosophers in the in the university towns that you know uh, fresco is saying which sound beautiful and i would love to live in this world of intentional renaturalization that sounds fucking awesome but the the question i always come to at that is when we say like he says explicitly early in his interview with larry king this isn't political it it has to be it literally has to be political because if you don't change the political landscape if you don't change the way that power is oriented, we're going to continue down a path of how can these robots make profit? How can, it, and if it's not profit, then maybe it's turning an in-group. Maybe it's becoming a, a cell. Maybe you're on the other side of the wall. Maybe the lessers get malthused out 
while the good people, like the the people who can pay for it, the people who say who justify it by saying we built the robots or whatever they say, they get to go inside these beautiful cities and live a new neo-Athenian life. You know, they get to hang out with Plato. On the one hand, you're not wrong about that in theory. But on the other hand, we're not going to create any solutions until we reorient our political and sociological ideas to begin with. So if we are so no reason to not have good ideas for how we can do it as soon as we get people in place who are willing to implement those changes without a profit motive in mind. Yeah, no, I I agree there. That one way or another. At the end of the day, the people running the show aren't going to let any good things happen. There are no solutions that don't involve, oh, we're going to make less money. The reason we can't get solar panels put onto stuff is because, well, no no company has yet found out how to own the sun, and therefore (laughs) they, they can't turn a profit on it. As soon as they find a way to turn the sun into a capital commodity, yeah, solar panels probably start happening. Oh, yeah. I mean, not not in as much excess of, of course, fossil fuels are still the highest profit margin. So until we've literally shoveled out the entire Earth's core using those, mm-hmm. that, that's the direction we're going to keep heading unless we completely fundamentally change the goals of specifically the people in charge. Yeah. I mean, there are some ways that they make money now off of solar panels. People like, uh, what's his dick, Elon Musk and his brother, they had Solar City, which was a complete boondoggle and ended up failing. But, uh, they got to make a shitload of money on it because it was a, you know, it's it's a speculative asset, essentially, is a lot of these green companies are. The incident, incidents like that are few and far between where a place can make money on solar solely on the basis of the uh, future potential tax credits and uh, lack of funds costs to initiate uh, energy and uh, electric protocols. Right. They just did a lot of rent seeking with that. They basically got the fucking government to help subsidize their silly little adventure into not really making a solar city yeah it got pre-bailed out yeah they got pre-bailed out that's exactly what it was <laughs> yeah stuff like that as long as stuff like that's happening then the actual incentive to do good ecological things for the sake of the planet and not for the sake of some other tax write-offy type reason will not be uh feasible i mean obviously the ideal would be that we decide to say screw it to everyone in charge and start doing our own communal thing but at that point why not go for something like fresco's vision oh yeah i'm saying that because so that interview comes in 74 yeah which i mean he was saying that stuff you know nearly 50 years ago decades ago and it was very uh very ingenious for the time even and the thing about that time to me so this is like post earth day being implemented post I guess, counterculture in America, this kind of divorcing from the material realm of politics that comes out of that era where people still want to be comfortable and still want to live their lives with without austerity, which is obvious. Nobody wants to live a life of austerity. But the idea that, you know, he he proposes, it's like, yes, we'll get people to donate. We'll be able to create a membership, which inherently implies blocking some people from getting in i i feel like in general whenever anybody brings up like malthusian stuff like oh we're we have too much population oh there are too many humans not enough resources uh generally my thought it goes back to you know the wrong boys and library socialism because yeah we don't have enough resources on this planet to give everybody the suburban middle class lifestyle upper middle class lifestyle that americans became accustomed white americans became accustomed to in the 70s 80s and 90s you're not going to have uh three cars and a 5000 square foot house and you know you're not going to have to 
pave over a million places to create parking lots so that you can go to the mall and keep consuming these endlessly needing of replacement products. But does that mean that it's the population that's the problem or is it the issue of overproduction? And the fact that he doesn't really address quite, you know, I, I appreciate the utopia. I appreciate the world believing in a world that's beyond this because I understand, I understand that it's incredibly fucking depressing not to imagine a world beyond this, which is where I think a lot of people our age are. But without addressing the kind of inherent issues of what production means in its current state and suggesting that you can, you know, build a membership fee and just show like a third way that yes, you can do it this way will somehow convince people away from the capitalist logic. It didn't happen in 50 years. And even if you had gotten like more and more people involved in, in that mode of changing it, I don't know how, how effective it could have been in, in defeating the capitalist algorithm, in making it so that all of our effort isn't oriented toward accumulation. Well, I mean, I suppose there's some truth to that, but at the end of the day, it's uh, hard to picture scenarios on how to fix things that don't involve undermining capital at its core before we start. Yes. So, yeah, you got to get there. This is the first step, and the first step is beating up whoever is in charge right now. Some laughs and get along and always worship Jeff. We'll all pretend America is really moving left. We'll all be happy, trapped in hell, the family bereft. Because when we spell family, we spell it with a capital F. Capital F is filled with from a live studio. Alright, settle down, class. You should be very grateful that the school let us come out today. It's a lot of work to ensure their assets, I mean, I mean, protect you kids from the acid rain and provide a breathable air generating bus. However, the principal thinks that the work done by this company is too important for you to miss. Also, he's a friend of the head of the company and gets kickbacks from every one of you that agrees to work here later. Ah, here's our tour guide now. Hey there, kids! Welcome to Monsanto Buyer Pfizer. We hope that you enjoyed the trip out here. The sun sure is a beautiful shade of unfiltered orange-red today. My name is Ted, and I'll be leading you around. We're really glad you're here to learn about the wonderful world of food science. Now that organic food is nearly impossible to manufacture, as well as extremely expensive, we've been hard at work here, making sure that you all still have something for your parents to put in your cabinets. Well, uh, we... Uh, is something wrong, Mr. Tills? Hmm? Oh, it's nothing. I was just sure you'd have been interrupted by now. I have a student who usually tends to be very disruptive. Well, your whole class seems to be very well behaved. Who is this supposed troublemaker? (sighs) Robbie, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself? While you're at it, make sure you get all your complaining about evil and sedated masses and whatnot out of the way. What's the point? I've seen the other side of the veil and everything is meaningless. Even if I conveyed the cataclysmic hypocrisies of our broken world, there would be no saving the one that lies beyond. (laughs) Hey now, sounds like you're quite the gloomy Gus. Hormones sure are crazy. (laughs) Still, 
You sound like a progressive sort. Maybe it'll cheer you up to hear about our new health line. If you look through that window, you'll be able to see... Wow! They're making broccoli! My family can't go into the rich part of town, so I've never even seen the stuff! <laughs> it sure does look like that. No, no, that's not broccoli, but rather a collection of sugars and plastics meant to imitate the taste of broccoli. In reality, it offers no nutritional benefit whatsoever, but we still think the signal sent by forcing kids to eat their vegetables is too important of a parenting tool. That is so fucking st- No, <laughs> you know what? No point getting riled up. May as well have a doomed mess of a body to go with the doomed mess around us. Great job keeping your temper, Robbie. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, let's move on. Fair warning, this next room can get a bit graphic. So if you're squeamish, it's probably better you didn't look. Ew, what is that? It looks like guts. Well, that's basically what it is. With the lack of grazable land for livestock becoming more and more an issue every day, people are still going to want their burgers. As such, we've started producing raw cow muscles linked to a nervous system, but nothing else. That way, the meat can still get plumped up and make for a hearty, technically not entirely artificial meal. If you don't mind me asking, Ted, why the nervous system? That's an excellent question. You see, making meat that's already pre-dead doesn't allow it to develop and as such leaves it bland and flavorless. Making balls of muscle that exist in a constant state of torture, however, allows it to essentially exercise and feel pain, which makes it far, far tastier. That might be the most needlessly cruel thing I've ever heard. How can you justify doing that for meat? Haven't we gotten to the point in our society where we need to accept that we have to live a vegetarian lifestyle for the foreseeable? <sighs> you know what? Again, it doesn't matter. Man, it's really hard to stay indifferent in a place like this. I see what you mean, Mr. Tills. This one can be a real firecracker when he's not sulking. Better to keep him sad for the good of the class. Anyway, we're moving on. Now, this next room is a real treat. Dude, that's so many eggs! Impressive, isn't it? We actually found that there are accelerants in the meat from the last room that have a unique effect on chickens. You can see in the cages up there. Those hens are laying a non-stop stream of eggs, all unfertilized from the get-go. Now, because of the effects on the tissue, each chicken only lives about 90 days, but they produce more eggs in that time than a normal chicken would in its years of life. I can't believe I need to take back what I said earlier, but somehow this is more cruel. You're force-feeding chickens artificial torture beef so they can lay an amount of eggs that destroys their bodies. How can you look at the food crisis caused by our collapsing climate and think this is the solution? Seriously, this is unconscionably evil. I, I, I really hope you burn in hell. <gasps> huh. Looks like the old Robbie's back. You know, I'm kind of glad things are all back to normal. <laughs> I think that we there are yes the, at the end of the day the biggest problem is that no matter how much good we do or how much every one of us as individuals changes to a green lifestyle there's still about not 80% plus of the damage that's done to the planet will still keep happening even if every single like not company person decides to completely go green but it doesn't change the fact that we can still make some personal uh 
life changes. I, I wouldn't mind touching on some of that stuff. Um, one that I know I'm bad at is vegetarianism because uh, yeah. our meat, the way we do meat in this country and it globally is one of the most ecologically damaging things. Yeah, for sure. I still eat meat and it's probably, you know, I should, I suppose, change that. Maybe not all the, you know, not cut away all of it, but maybe like limit that so much. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, yeah, definitely uh, cutting back is uh, viable, um, and it doesn't help that here in America. Did you know that our pets? I, I heard this from Daniel, and I haven't actually googled it yet, but I want to let me real quick Google that before I start saying it on a podcast. Yeah, U.S. dogs and cats would rank fifth in global meat consumption of all countries in the world <laughs> if it was just our dogs and cats. Oh my god. Yeah, so we put a lot of meat and meat extracts into our pet food here in America that is incredibly damaging. Yeah. So I do want to say, though, like right now, of course, the, the consumption and, uh, you know, the, the practices that create the meat that we consume in this country and globally, but mostly in this country is like we set the standard for how shit everything is because we're the hegemon. During the Industrial Revolution, uh, you know, early, I'm talking like 18th, 19th centuries. You know, mostly I'm thinking of England and industrial cities in America and Germany. The consumption of meat actually went down from like the late uh, medieval times, the early modern times. So it's not to say that exclusively meat production or meat consumption itself is is uh, bad, of course. But in the way that we have uh, industrialized it now that we have created a now that we've reached a much higher form of capitalism, one where. You have to create a consumer base and that consumer base is going to want certain things. And that thing that they want right now, for especially for red-blooded Americans, uh, is meat. It's, it's, uh, yeah. it's beef, it's pork, it's chicken, it's eggs, it's meat and meat products that firstly cause a lot of damage to the environment, but Secondly, and maybe more importantly, are incredibly cruel to the animals actually that are being abused in this situation. Yeah. And I'm not saying you can't eat meat like we've done it since the, you know, since we stopped just eating berries and shit, I guess, and bugs. But I guess bugs are meat, too. I don't know. I mean, and I think that we could. uh, That's another thing. I think that we should normalize eating insects as a form of protein. Yeah, dude. I admit. Severe excess of insects relative to other meat forms. I ate. I went to Mexico last year for a job. Um, they flew me out there to shoot this factory that I felt pretty gross because it was a product of NAFTA. It was like a, a thermal engineering factory. And I've been to their nice place in America. And those guys get paid a lot of money and they live in a very pretty place. Uh, I went to this one down in Mexico and it's less, it's still clean. It's still nice-ish, but it's, and they get like a better wage than the people around them, I guess, because they're in manufacturing as opposed to, textiles or farming that's been fucking gutted down there but it's still not fantastic it's like the more mundane and damaging stuff that you know repetitive work that they have to do and uh while i was down there i ate a uh (laughs) i ate esquites which is you know just like street corn here uh but there in central mexico they add uh crickets and it's not bad not a not a taste I'm used to. It's a little like yeah, it would be, almost it would be a smoky. new kind of protein flavor to get used to. But I mean, so was turkey when we first started doing that in yeah. place of a lot of other meats. Yeah, no, it's it's like not it's it's a thing that I could definitely get used to. And the pe- fact that people are like, I will not enter the pod. I will not eat the bugs, buddy. You're already in the pod. You're already eating the bugs. Let it go. Yeah. Just eat the fucking cricket. 
the cricket is probably fine. Uh, people across the world. The cows yeah. you're eating. It's not like the cows you're eating are actually cow anymore anyways. Right. You're mostly just getting like bone and asshole and, you know, all of the <laughs> gross ground up shit that's left over after they cut out the filet mignon for your, it, probably not even from them, you know, what? you're probably just getting ground whole cow. Yeah. I mean, that or cow mixed with something that's a meat supplement to make yeah. it uh, plastic and poop cheaper. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, and honestly, it turns people, oh, it's gross, it's bugs. Once it's ground, if, if you're still going to have meat patties, once it's ground up, you're not going to know the difference. Yeah, no. I mean, it'll taste, it'll taste like a different protein. You'll be like, eh, well, yeah, different, throw, it's fine. Plus, you know what, I, I feel like, all right, pork is my, I love pork. I yeah, love, I, I love breakfast sausage. Not, I'm, not, I'm not even a bacon guy, but breakfast sausage and chorizo. I don't mind bacon. Bacon's pretty decent. Uh, yeah, I don't like it more as a topping. Good. What's that? Bacon's also good. I'm not. Oh yeah, to. no, I like it more as a topping. But even just like, like pulled pork, like fucking barbecue, like mm-hmm. pork is apparently what helped settle the West because uh, they can walk so much. They can. They're very much easier to travel with than cattle or even like chickens who die more frequently. But I do have this sneaking suspicion that it's like a horrible sin because they can. You know, they think at the level of like a six-year-old human, and I'm like, oh god, uh, that's not great. Uh, but Jesus, they're delicious. I'd eat a six. No, I wouldn't. That's right. If you're eating just about any meat, you're basically, I mean, literally not even just about. If you're eating literally any meat, you're technically uh, well because uh, we don't do bugs. Yeah, because bugs are high fines. If we started if we started turning bugs into food, that's not really an individually thinking thing so much. But yeah, basically any other meat, you're killing. What if they turn on us? <laughs> they they learn. The hive mind learns, and they're like, they have taken so many of us. <laughs> Our pieces are falling apart, and then we develop like some evil fucking bug mind and that's going to take ant, us over. <laughs> super ant colony to oh, man. rise Hell up and yeah. try to murder us all. I'm ready for I don't it. Know. Maybe they'll do hey, better. I mean, hey, if the other species wanted to start evolving to try to take down the human threat, honestly, dolphins need to stop being so fucking nice. Yeah, fucking a dolphins. Although we have enslaved them and make them dance for us, so yeah, that's what I'm like, but they, they, they just smile and laugh about it, and like we've done sand scans of their brainwaves, and they're just trying to be in good moods the whole time. Man, depressed dolphins are few and far between. We need more depressed dolphins. Maybe if they had thumbs, they'd be depressed. <laughs> that's where all of your, uh, you know, fucking. Depression lie depression and anxiety stems from the thumbs. I don't know. Well, whatever the case may be, whatever we, we, there's no doubt that uh, the way we handle our animal treat our animals, in addition to the way it impacts the globe, is not helpful. And that is a change you as an individual can make. That's not a bad change to make if you're up for it. But again, we'll go back to it's not going to make a practical difference when one company does more than an entire city of individuals of damage. Yeah. Um, same with like cars. Yes, you could try to drive an earth-friendly car or public transit. I would love if public transit was an option, but unfortunately, we have the worst public transit of any first-world country. The absolute worst. The like we need SkyTram, and I, <laughs> that's a, I'm stealing that directly from a D and D podcast I listen to called Join the Party, which is great, and you should all listen to it. If Join the party. Second season. The first season is also good, but not great. <laughs> um, but yeah, SkyTram. We need something that will zip us across. Uh, Zip us across a elevated railway and uh, get you anywhere in the city in under an hour, no matter where, and uh, all with no damage to the environment. Maybe you're right. Maybe we need more people like uh, what's his face, like Jacques Fresco, people who still had that utopian vision because, like, 
you look back and you want to see like, oh, World Expo or, you know, uh, we were talking about doing another watch along, which I think we will, of um, the Batman and the Mask of the Phantasm, which is a fantastic movie. Yeah. Very short movie, that will be, I guess. That will be, I mean, we might actually, I mean, we could do a watch along or maybe we do a review of that one. Mm, yeah. It might be better as a review. We'll think about it. But uh, anyhow, they, you know, in that they show like a world expo, these worlds where, you know, uh, all these fancy new things you can get everywhere on these monorails. Everyone's, you know, getting to places and it's all very clean and tidy and, and efficient and as well as being, you know, assumedly good for the, environment or better for the environment than what we have now which is instead of that utopian vision just everybody trying to be their own little you know king in their own little 5,000 square foot McMansion castle and uh, have seven chariots all of which can you know are getting bigger and bigger without having any practical improvements except for extra cup holders you know yeah. Well, I mean, and unfortunately, yeah, that is the reality of it, though, is people like my going back to I always like to pull out at least one my father per episode. <laughs> uh, he made a big stink about, yeah, and I'm like, oh, well, what if we, if we started doing like communal public transit stuff? I paid a lot of good money for this car. I don't want the government just coming and taking it away. I paid for it. God almighty. It's, it's, no, uh, take my have, car. Uh, and, and he's, and he, again, he's a take very it. educated, thinking, quote unquote, left wing person. So he calls himself left. It's, yeah, uh, sure. No, I mean, it's, I mean, the the, uh, the actual left wing thinking people aren't uh, their thoughts aren't encouraged in this society. So there'd be two. I think there'd be a lot of people who it's a, it's an uphill battle to convince everyone that we're going to be that we should switch to a just a super efficient public transit. But that's because people always think they need to own their th- ownership has been ingrained into the society, and it is ownership is the biggest threat to, to uh, our environment yeah it's a resurgence of that silly myth that uh you know the tragedy of the commons that if you hold things in common they're gonna fall to shit which is obviously untrue uh because the things that we've held in common for eons long long times we've managed well as communities we've managed well as societies because that's what we fucking are is a society. Well, I mean, and, and the things that the, there are there are things that are held common that do fall to shit because some capitalist enterprise says, "Well, if this is free for anyone to take, then I'll take it." And mm-hmm, so it's never mm-hmm. it's never a common person destroying the commons; it's a capitalist destroying the commons. Almost always, yeah. Without, like, for example, the rainforests in Brazil are a wonderful right. example. Yes, wonderful. people who have lived in the in the Amazon rainforests, who in Ecuador and Brazil and in Colombia, everywhere around there, uh, people who thriving environments right up until profit motives started showing up. Right, it's a it's a world where there there's never been any significant need to to do overdevelopment like we did here in America, or or even a motivation because they integrated themselves with the ecology so well, uh, which is possible. But you know, at, at this point, because of our hyper marketized and hyper i would I, I i struggle to call things competitive because capitalism despite what it propagandizes itself as being i think it's anti-competitive in that it it usually props up just the 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 person with the most it's not so oh, much competitive as it is using others in a competition i will say it is competitive in the sense that 
those willing, those most willing to disregard the well-being of anyone else but themselves for the sake of their own benefit tend to be the ones who can succeed the most. True. True. Yeah. So if you're if you're cutthroat, you'll do all right, I guess. If you start it really well, yeah. If I mean, you start honestly, halfway over, start from helps. Yeah. But like, I'd say in the rare off chance that there are those those couple millionaires and billionaires, those literally point zero 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 one percent who break away and will quote unquote hit the American dream of I came up with a great idea and now I'm super rich. It's not because of it's not because they were the best thinkers. It's because they were the most cutthroat people willing to do the most horrible shit to the people around them in the name of their own ends. Yeah. I mean, Bill Gates didn't murder anyone that we know of, mm-hmm. but he definitely completely destroyed the lives and ideas of a bunch of people so he could say they were his own. Yeah. Yeah. It's about taking away from others. That's all it's ever really ever, you know. And even then, it's not like, I mean, he wasn't a, he wasn't a poor kid growing up. So, oh, you no. Know. He was pretty well off. He got to steal an IBM computer. So, like, good for him, I guess. Whatever. Yeah. We now go live to the mayor of Balaclavaville for a public address and press conference. Thank you all for coming out today. Aren't you glad my COVID regulations mean we can all be here without masks? You're welcome. Anyway, I'm not just here to blow my own horn over all the amazing decisions I've made. I've realized that in light of recent climate disasters, as well as the generally erratic weather we've had, the time has come for us to take action. Will you be implementing policies that discourage the use of fossil fuels? Will you be starting any initiatives to use greener forms of energy? Will you be offering incentives for people who fulfill green quotas? The answer to all of those things... Is yes. <gasps> oh my God! He's First and foremost, I'll be instituting a tax on fossil fuels. However, I don't want to do anything too drastic, so it isn't anything that scales. Instead, it's going to be a flat one hundred dollar charge every week to any person or massive conglomerate that uses over one gallon of gas. Wait. Doesn't that exclusively benefit the corporations for whom one hundred dollars is a negligible cost? It sure does. I wanted to make sure the fine folks at our local Bestley factory didn't feel like they had to relocate. We can't afford to lose that kind of revenue for my, uh, our city. With such a small charge on the highest polluters, isn't that going to generate an insignificant financial response? Well, something is better than nothing, right? Anyway, all the poor should learn that things like cars and non-freezing temperatures are a luxury. And if they want to enjoy those luxuries, they should try being less poor. Now, on to greener energy initiatives. I've actually had a lot of opportunities to expand things like solar energy and windmill farms, but I decided to step away from those and instead focus on electric cars. Ah, of course. You should have mentioned that everyone would be switching to electric when you brought up your fossil fuel tax. Oh, now, hold on. I never said that. Electric cars will still be quite expensive and extremely inconvenient to charge. However, the fine folks at Zapla Motors have agreed to open a factory here as long as our city provides them a great location. As such, I'll be renovating the Lower East Side of the city and turning it into Little Zapla Town. So basically, an excuse to make more profits for a major corporation without any practical effect on green energy production? Actually, that's not quite right. Everyone living in the houses in that part of town, 
or at least the ones we don't bulldoze, will be offered a job at that fine factory. If they accept the voluntarily mandatory position, they'll have smart renovations applied to their house, so it can detect everything that goes on in their lives and make sure they're always fit to be the best employees possible. Additionally, all these workers will be required to buy a Zappola car, but it is at an extra low interest rate. So far, this all sounds pretty awful. Anyway, I'm sure it's terrible, but what new green incentives will you be offering? Well, we've found that renters and homeowners are inclined to use more resources than the homeless. As such, if you decide to voluntarily live on the streets, the city is happy to offer you three free meal vouchers every week. Also, while I'm certainly not going to force anyone, if you allow us to lock you away in a lab and attempt to turn you into a Matrix-style potato battery, we'll offer you a stipend of $400 a month, which you can spend in 20 years when your contract ends. Well, I don't know why we didn't see this coming from the moment you told us you were going to do something good. Still, weirdly, this isn't the worst of these press conferences I've been to. Yeah, I guess you're doing more for the climate than most politicians. Four more years. Four, Four more, more years. years. Four more Four years. More Four more years. years. Oh, look at that. He's taking it Four up. He actually years. cares about the planet Four land of not really good enough. He's doing a thing. Thank you all. I will be taking no further questions. <sighs> Gosh, I don't like them. I don't like rich people. <laughs> yeah, I, they're, they're tough. Uh, I, I was having a conversation with Daniel the other day, and he was saying, like, well, you know, I think there's still different scales. Like, he, he is a fan of the idea of Bezos is more evil than Musk, because at least Musk is making electric cars, you know. But he isn't. And I just he isn't know. making electric cars. Other people are making electric cars, and he's fucking them up. <laughs> It's an issue of perspective, I guess, but I just can't. I, I'm, I, I'm, I'm of the objective opinion that I'm of the opinion subjectively that if you are a person worth a billion dollars, you are fundamentally evil because you can't amass that kind of wealth without being that. One hundred percent. You don't get to have that kind of money without it coming off of the backs of exploited labor. Yeah, and, and uh, I mean, you know, we know we know where Musk has gotten his money. And what he's done it for. It's tough to say, like, these people who, the, oh, these people have done stuff to preserve environments. They've done stuff to try to help the ecosystem. Bill Gates has spent so much money trying to, you know, secure diseases and help uh, save forests and stuff. It's like, I, he's got to be doing more harm than good because somehow his number keeps going up when he's supposedly spending all his money. Right. He's, he own, he's the biggest owner of farmland in America. And if you want to pretend like, Making your individual choice to be a vegetarian is a good thing, which it is, but is uh, is going to make any change? Like, how do you square that with also supporting a person who is basically running these factory farms? That's what he does. He's got a lot of money and he's using it to take up our food sources. You know, and make healthy food choices a lot easier to make is if that food was the free food because we have a surplus of mm-hmm. it. Like, say, for example, we didn't literally just light almost half of our country's corn on fire just so we could keep making a profit off of yeah, it. Yeah, that'd be nice. You know, like we could if, – if we had like – this is the food we have a surplus of because it's very easy to farm. It may not be the most unique, but it's very dietarily healthy and it's free. Then I think you know that would be a great way to make an instant change in people's attitudes towards healthy food options that are also good for the environment. But instead, no, we got to start pouring milk out down the drain because, oh, there was a COVID case 4,000 miles away. That's too close to your farm. Whatever excuse we can make, just make sure we're wasting the food. Well, that or it's just the fact that you can't. Yeah, or you can just get paid to waste it instead of sending it to flush the market, you know? 
So stupid. Uh, I can I can literally make more if I don't let anyone have this and I right. just throw it in the trash. Well, I guess that's what it's I'm doing. It's artificial scarcity. That's how they have been making a lot of money throughout this whole fucking deal. That's why, I mean, like, yes, there are obviously real issues with supply lines and real issues with getting people the shit that they need. But the justification that is being drawn from that for most of these companies is that they can charge more now. They can have a bigger margin. And that's all that they ever want. They never want to fix things. They never want to create electric cars for the good of the planet. They're using it. They want to make electric cars for the good of themselves and the good of their their bottom line. That's all. It's never, ever been any different for these people. Yeah. I mean, I guess I get what he's saying. I'd rather than be making electric cars for the good of their own bottom line than making, you know, gas-guzzling Humvees for the good of their own bottom line. Yeah, but that's but. what he's doing still, because all he's really making money off of isn't the electric cars, it's the credits that he gets from the government. These H... Uh, these I can't remember the name, but these essentially carbon credits that he's then selling to people like GM and Ford who are making gas-guzzlers. <laughs> and that's how they get to be allowed to make more gas-guzzlers. I guess at the end of the day, yeah, what, what he is still trying to promote is the idea of a car, uh, two cars in every home. Right. <laughs> More cars than people. And how about we make this silly little tunnel thing where nobody can go faster than 30 miles an hour? And, and in the whole main time you're idling, whenever you have to idle, you're still pumping a bunch of fossil fuels out yeah. of the planet. Fucking hate this country, man. Gotta it's just the- stupid as fucking. Because we can't have anything in common. We can't share anything. We're a series of individuals living in a very broad real estate fucking scam that's that's yeah. called a country well and that, at the end of the day yeah as long as we're uh as long as we're incapable of uh realizing that as as individuals we are a people and not a bunch of separate individuals there's no, i mean no it's going to be impossible to change that higher the, the structure of the higher ups because they'll just keep being defended by our other again othering is just the core problem <laughs> yeah yeah a lack of of real solidarity is 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 one of our chief obstacles. Yeah, because they don't even need to. They don't even need to fight against us. They just need to keep us fighting against each other. They're doing a pretty good job. Oh yeah. Anyway, um, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Uh, I mean, of course, it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, so outside of the billionaires who actually. Te- uh, run the show in the big picture of things. The people who are supposed to be relying on to help them not run the show in such a way, our government is also being effectively useless. I mean, now that we've got a bunch of, now that we've got supposed like left wing control, I mean, I, I, everyone says, oh, mansion cinema, that's why we can't do anything. But there's always a mansion or a cinema or someone else like that. At the end of the day, it is ensured by our government that they're, that the people who uh, make sure they keep getting reelected. Uh, keep control, keep pulling the strings, and the people who make sure they get reelected are the ones who have investments in fossil fuels and who haven't found a way to own the sun yet. They're working on it. They're going to make it. <laughs> They'll own the sun eventually. You watch. Well, I mean, hey, maybe once they own the sun, it will save the planet little by little, and, and we may be more enslaved. We may have to like live as mole people, but at least the planet might live. Yeah, I just, <laughs> I don't think you can convince these people. It, maybe you could have long ago, but I don't think you can convince these people who really run the show, the people who run it, um, that to keep this place, you know, because Earth to them is a market. So you should say, think that maybe the logic is 
well, we have to preserve this market because that's why they, you know, keep up with fossil fuels, even though, you know, all these big oil and gas companies also have money in the solar and wind game because they have a market and they have to maintain it. But uh, no, you know, they, they just keep on pumping. They just keep on going. Uh, I don't think you can convince them to turn away from their money-making ventures anymore. And, and they use people like Biden and they use people like uh, Kirsten Cinema uh, and fucking Joe Manchin and they use people uh, in, this, in this game because that's all it really is. It's a shell game. It's, you pick one of these fucking shells up and underneath it, there's no ball, there's nothing. It's, and the person moving them around is a fucking ExxonMobil exec or BP exec or fucking Amazon or fucking uh, Facebook. It's, it's all of these guys are really just shuffling around these politicians who are the same. Either party, they're the same. Uh, very, very slight differences. People, I think, are figuring that out again after that brief moment after um, Trump was defeated in the recent I mean, election i think people were like oh there's a real difference you know there is something you have to talk to yourself talk yourself into that so that you can vote for the guy who's going to send a woman to guatemala to say don't come here we don't want you here die here because we've colonized your country and we've burned the earth so that it's going to be underwater soon who sends fucking drones to kill children in afghanistan who fucking you know, whatever. The Paris Accord didn't change anything when we rejoined it. So what what do you fucking want? Yeah, it's I mean, I mean, the idea of the lesser evil is an interesting one, because, yes, in theory, I could see the case being made for Trump was still technically more awful. But in terms of practical saving the world capacity, there is no effective uh path there through lesser evil voting. And uh, the, our country proves that because. Any initiative that actually wants to, you know, the the Green New Deal type initiatives can't even get a vote, let alone, you know, find any mass support. Meanwhile, I mean, and of course, the question always, the reason why we can't get these votes is how are we going to pay for all that? Meanwhile, we're happy to send $10 billion to Israel, but we'll get to that in the news blast. But I mean, it's tough because they are, I mean, those political figureheads, you're right, the people actually controlling them, the ExxonMobil execs, the uh, Amazon owners, the people who actually tell the politicians what they think are the ones making those decisions. But the politicians are play an important role, which is to serve as a barrier to the American people saying we're on your side. Like the, the Democrats are there to say we're on your side. The Republicans are there to ease the uh, fears of idiots and say there is no climate change. Don't worry about it. Hmm. Um, and they're both they both serve the important uh, task of making sure the American people don't just riot in the name of because it's like we got well the way there is voting obviously so you know we can't we heaven forbid we have people actually start murdering the rich on mass in the name of saving the planet heaven forbid there be any material change or you know desire or yeah, so they do serve an important roles in that sense which is the role of obfuscation yeah yeah they exist as essentially like i think i like the way you've said that as a barrier of as like a psychological barrier, one to assume that you have a, a stake in things, but really you don't. Go vote, folks. <laughs> Go vote. If it makes you feel better. I mean, and if it makes you feel better, there, there are certainly worse things you could do. It's, it's like your little therapy. You can sit in line for a while. Go for it. Like, I would, I would much rather you go vote than like 
go start murdering kids or something like that. You know, yeah. I mean, comparatively, if there's if it makes you feel better, go vote. Yeah, if you're picking between that, here's a real lesser evil voting as opposed to like scary murder. Yeah. Less, yeah. So. But if you're picking between that and staying on masturbating, I'd say it's about 50-50. Yeah. <laughs> Flip a coin, then you'll decide. The Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob, Episode 26, What's Mind is Mine. You know, friend Zorzan, after all the absurd adventures we've had recently, it will be quite enjoyable to indulge in a regular visit to Earth. You said it, Aglob. I've had enough of intergalactic warlords and evil sentient microbes to last a lifetime. I most certainly concur. Anyways, we're approaching the solar orbit of Earth, and should arrive shortly. I wonder what's new... Oh, hold on. Another ship is approaching this orbit as well. That's odd. Can we get a visual? Oh, that's a very odd ship design. The front almost looks like it's designed for some kind of mining. Perhaps this vessel is engineered to destroy space debris that has a dangerous trajectory. I have sent them a communications hail. Ah, they've responded. Greetings, we are travelers exploring this region. I am Aglob and my companion here is Zorzon. It was very foolish of you to notify me of your presence. I have many names across the universe. The Ender of Worlds, the Bringer of Desolation, the Flying Apocalypse. You, however, may refer to me as Mokrath, the Depleter. Ah, crud, another one. We can't just catch a break from these crazy space villains. All right, Mothman, what's your gimmick? That's Mokrath, you insolent parasite. You won't be laughing when you see what I am capable of. You see my ship here? I've called it the Excavator. It is capable of draining all natural resources from a planet, leaving it a dried-out husk. I intend to use it on the life-bearing planet found in this system. Oh, and here I was, starting to worry. Yeah, good luck with your plan, buddy. Indeed, it is quite humorous to learn that. You see, the planet in question has already completed your work for you. For the first time in our observations, I'm quite glad to say the Earthlings have already depleted the resources provided to them by their planet. What? Is this some sort of trick? Very well, I will do my own scan of their planetary density. Go for it. I assure you, we've been completely honest. How is this possible? They've destroyed such a high percentage of the fossilized and naturally occurring resources on our planet that running the excavation protocol would drain more energy on my end than I would gain. How do the creatures of this planet even continue living? Honestly, we're not entirely certain. Yeah, we've been running expeditions to this planet for a long time now, and no matter how bad conditions get, the dominant species seems to continue surviving. At this point, I'm surprised they can still breathe their air. Well, that's insufferable. I suppose I will venture out and seek a new planet to hollow out. My greed will not be sated. Farewell, you fools. What an unpleasant individual. I did not care for his attitude or intent at all. I'm with you, buddy. Weirdly, his rhetoric sounded a lot like the ruling class humans we've documented. I don't like the idea of someone like him running amok in the universe. Oh well, I'm sure that's the last we'll see of him. 
Tune in next week for more Adventures of Zorzan and Aglob. All right, you want to get into the news blast? Unfortunately, yeah. So, uh, well, let's try to wrap up. The, let's real quick wrap this up. So, uh, as we were saying, yeah, basically, the planet is fucked, and there's no saving it. But there <laughs> are people without there who have solutions. Like I do recommend, even if he is a bit utopian about it, and some of the ways he phrases things are a bit clunky. Uh, Jacques Fresco does have a very great vision in terms of how it theoretically could work. Lots of hub cities connected by incredibly high speed rails with uh, basically no like. His his I mean he does have some ideas about ownership that are perhaps impractical, but the technology is all theoretically there, and it would allow for the Earth to take back like ninety percent of the planet's mass. Yeah, um, you know, and there are other visions out there, uh, simple-minded ones, just like put solar panels on everything. You know, um, why not? Because I mean, yeah, it doesn't look good. Oh darn! Oh shucks! But yeah, <laughs> it's you know, I mean, there are, uh, or just you know. Any, there are any number of ways we could stop using fossil fuels tomorrow and the Earth would still be able to function in the same way, except for that some people wouldn't have quite as ridiculous amounts of money. Right. But then, of course, the, we run up again against the, the biggest obstacle, which is the logic of capitalism. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, and so, so we, uh, you got to beat that guy. You got to show that amongst us, amongst us who are going to be suffering first and worst, not you or I really, but the people mostly people closer to the equator but those those who we share a proletarianization with those of our class like if we can show these people who are killing us above us that we can that we can band together then maybe maybe you can actually force a material change and maybe abolish that kind of domination at least of our environment in this way mm-hmm. but as it stands, uh, fixing the environment is a battle we're not going to win by electoralism. And to that end, this is a perfect way to transition into the news blast because we did miss the last one a couple weeks ago. But and so we have a lot to go over. But one that I thought was just fascinating was uh, Biden, Mister I believe in climate change, unlike Trump, suddenly said, "Oh well, there's not enough evidence to support that offshore drilling is that bad." So we're going to double remember down on BP. It. Yeah, that was during your fucking administration, you dickhead. God almighty. Man, yeah, like, I mean, that, that, it didn't happen. I mean, yeah, to be fair, there's a very good chance he literally doesn't remember that. He's almost <laughs> certainly forgotten it. It's, <laughs> and it doesn't matter because if he remembers, if he forgot, what he said is what he is being told to say by his donors and by, you know, I think he's legitimately just a bad person. I don't think that he's he's an empty shell, of course, being used for. I think that, yeah. Uh, I think there are a lot of evil politicians. He may actually be less evil as an individual on the whole than some of them. I don't but, know, man. He's raped but, people. I mean, well, I mean, like back, in, back when he was before he was a politician, you know, he got called an N-word lover by people and stuff like that. You know, he had he had his share of good moments, but once he sunk into the political game, he was willing to sell anything he might have believed in in a heartbeat. I mean, yeah, he even said that right out of the gate in his uh, 88 run. He was like, I'm willing to prostitute myself out for money, you know. Uh, it's like, okay, buddy. It's like, I guess in 1970 and 1980s, you're, that's like cool, sweet. Like, I don't know, man. I, you'd think that a person who, I guess he, he himself would have been one of the boomers that went through the counter revolution and may not have the same kind of anxieties that Gen X people do about like being a sellout. But even them, they're very, I mean, there are a lot of Gen X sellouts. Like there are a lot of millennial sellouts. Everyone is a fucking sellout if they ever make it anywhere. Yeah. It's, 
Definitely tough to. I mean, yeah, at the end of the day, I, I mean, if you took a historical long view, he may not be the most evil president we've had, but it doesn't make him. A, but he's still a very, very evil person. Yeah, and he has proven that he has no regard for the long term health of this planet. He's an average president for a very evil empire. So yes. But uh, and of course, we're staying on the Biden news train. This was one we missed from way back when, from, uh, that we didn't get to last time around. Uh, was Biden talking to Australia and the UK about we better start setting up defense initiatives uh, mm-hmm. against China? Basically, planning to pick teams for World War Three. Oh uh, yeah, pick teams early. We're I, doing. I take Australia. I take UK. <laughs> yeah, this is like fucking risk for them. But the, you know, they sell. A, they get rid of Afghanistan, and so they now need to pivot more to South China Sea. Similar to how what's his uh what's his Dicko Bungler was doing back at the end of his term, uh, where it was the pivot to Asia. Uh, which you know they back then you know you'd read a Guardian or a fucking NPR article or something, and they talk about it in economic terms, but. What it is ultimately is because our our economy is basically supported and propped up as a military economy. We have done this since World War II. It's been our fucking way. That's how we became the hegemon. What we're going to do is exert military pressure. And by doing, in this case, uh, giving nuclear submarines to uh, Australia... Maybe we're setting people up. We're basically trying to reassert a military dominance of the South China Sea, uh, you know, because it's kind of hard to keep Duterte in line. We have to pretend that we don't like him. We have friends in the conservative. Well, I guess it's not necessarily the conservative party in charge. I don't think I haven't been paying attention to Australia, but, you know, it's same same consensus on uh, having a if not overtly belligerent a definitely um anti-chinese stance especially when it comes to the the waters that surround that continent island whatever you call it i mean just in general i think that being anti-china is the flavor of the day oh, yeah. um i mean i can't vouch one way or another if their uh if the uh, covid came from one of their labs if it did it's probably because they stole that they were trying to they were trying to steal the formula from one of uh Gates' labs because we have mm. evidence that Gates and his people were working. So I always love it when someone's working on a virus, so try to create a virus so we can cure it. Like, yeah, science. We're all about coulda, not shoulda. Yeah. But yeah, he. so I mean, Gates was Gates and his foundations were working on a virus that has a, had a very similar structure to what we know the COVID virus to be in the name of trying to pre-create a cure for it, which is super sketch. So when it comes out of China, maybe it did come out of one of their labs because they stole it from one of Gates' labs and then they just did an oopsie and they're like, Oh, well, but whatever the case may be, that we can't just start blaming the entire Chinese people because of something that might have happened because a few of their evil people did some evil shit. Because that disregards the fact that we are constantly doing evil shit with the most evil people here. Yeah, I'm not well enough informed to make a decision, but I assume that if it's a lab-grown thing, if COVID actually did come out of a lab, whether it's from China or America— well, I I think it's probably more likely that it was from America, honestly, at least initially, like you're saying. Um, I don't I don't know. You know, in general, this is about producing yet another excuse for a war economy, producing another excuse to give more and more money to Raytheon and Halliburton and all of the buddies and friends of Biden and his cohort. You know, it's all about getting people money. And killing people. It's what our fucking country has done from day one. 
Yeah. So, I mean, any propaganda you hear about this is the reason to hate China is still just them saying, by the way, the important thing is that you hate China. Yeah. It's it's not even – most of that propaganda you'll see is obviously oh, yeah, They're, they're all bald-faced lies yeah. more often than not. Yeah. It's almost always a lie. Biden is definitely going all in on those defense initiatives. So that'll be a fun time to live through, if, if, especially if we start launching nukes. Mm-hmm. Always mm-hmm. a possibility within our lifetime, Kyle, that we just turn the planet into a scorched husk. It's always going to – And then we won't need to worry about climate change. There won't be a climate left. There won't be a climate. Yeah, we'll just be another Mercury or Venus. Uh, more like another meteor. <laughs> yeah, we'll just we wouldn't become have colors the moon. And texture like that. We wouldn't have color and texture like that. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to uh, the fine decisions that our wonderful Congress is making. And I'll start with uh, the one that I just thought was brazenly disgusting, but also weirdly hilarious, which is the fact that we were doing a bunch of border whippings, like old school border whippings on horses. Like it looks like it was out of a 1700s racist flick thing, you know. And then Jen Psaki comes out and says, oh, we uh, we've heard you. We understand. No more horses. Yeah. Genius. That was the problem you had, right? These are the horses. (laughs) And it's always the images. It's never actually the actions because that's what it is. It affects our sensibilities as consumers more so than as material human beings seeing others in pain. It's more the 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 seeing that's the issue than it is the pain. Don't worry. We promise no more cameras in the kids in cage. I mean the uh, immigrant overflow facility. No more cameras allowed. (laughs) No more cameras. We're never going to have to see anything again because we're shutting our eyes. Na-na-na-na-boo-boo. I can't see or hear you. Fuck off. Leave me alone. I'm just going to lie up here and get fucking plaudits from liberals all over the place, even though a year and a half ago that would have been the opposite. Yeah. It's and I mean that's that goes back to our whole you know less voting lesser evil voting. It's not yeah. that you're actually getting much of a lesser evil, just that you don't have to pay attention to the evil. <laughs> it's and how I'll, much do you pay attention? Definitely less loud than Trump. Oh definitely yeah, less. I mean, he in fact, you know, you barely see him, and you, when you do, he's probably on some kind of drug that keeps him mentally awake for a half hour at a time. Yep, yep. <laughs> just shoot him up with something. I, actually, I have a feeling like when they want something to go bad and want him to take the blame, they just don't give him his drugs. Like the yeah, Afghanistan and stuff. Stupid. And then it's like, oh, well, Biden screwed up, but our country is still great. Yeah. We're, America's great again. It's still Blue in America. great hands. Look at Kamala. You like Kamala, right? Right? No. Oh, you don't. Um, fuck. <laughs> well, how about AOC? You like AOC. She's in Yeah, let's she's jump to AOC thing. real quick. She wore, a dress to the Met. she wore a dress to a multi-billion dollar event that goes on every year for the most rich and famous elites in the world. But the rich and famous elites that were there sure got their just desserts when she wore that dress. Because mm-hmm. that dress said, tax the rich on it. <gasps> Ooh. Oh, my sunglasses. God. Yeah. <laughs> sunglasses. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's definitely the fucking sunglass, uh, fucking smiley face meme. Yeah, AOC has been all about performative politics lately, and uh, they were right. The, the, the fucking always was, on dress camera. Was an inkling of just how bad it was going to get, and then more recently, she decided to really ramp it up to eleven. Now we were talking about this earlier. How oh, we don't have the money for stuff, folks. Where are we going to find money? Oh, we have ten billion dollars for this, though. Ten billion dollars to make sure that pa- uh, that Palestinians can keep getting bombs thrown on them. Was it ten? I thought it was only in one extra billion. I On thought top of the four billion we give them every year, anyhow. I thought it was a total of ten billion for the Iron Dome. Check ten, total. Let me Google this. Okay, how do I find the how much it was for without scrolling through a four thousand page fucking thing? Okay, it was a one billion dollar increase to the fund. Yeah, 
but still, yeah, uh, we, we, there's another spare billion we have. Just we got that. We Lying always around. Have, we have we always have another billion to make sure Israel can protect its holy land. Otherwise, you're uh, you know hating on the Jewish Jewish peoples. Yeah, Jamal Bowman fucking votes in favor of it because he's a Zionist, like we all knew when he was doing that in the primary. And then uh, what you get kind of uh, Talib and Omar vote against it. Yeah, I mean, uh, because it squad, was going to pass, and who cares? Actually, stood for their ideals because I think that most of the squad still stand for something. And I hope Cory Bush gets formally added to the squad because I think that she's one of our best ones. Yeah, I don't but know. AOC has recently been showing just how ready she is to break ranks from the progressive movement in the name of her career. I think she used it for her career in the first place, like I've been saying, it's, and I was tricked I mean, in the beginning too because I liked her. But uh, I'm not saying that I, like anyone else, is not. You know, it, it's easy. It's easy to see somebody who says the right things and who's catching up in a movement that you feel a part of and supporting them. Um, it's It feels good to do that. But, of course, that's not what she is. She's a politician. She, you know, I I did a lot of dumb stuff as a 22-year-old, but she was working at a tech company look, trying to get tax breaks you know and that's understandable i mean i guess you're working there but she's never actually been i think ideologically aligned with any of us even even the social democrats i think that she's always been using this as a as a platform to catapult her career what she's done and now she's a two-term congressperson who can leave that movement behind just like Pelosi left her movement behind and she can vote present on a bill that's going to tangibly harm the lives and many lives I would assume of Palestinian people but and, more notably uh, than that, then cry she did about it, it. well yeah, she did it while having a – she has become the new – I mean, this is this is on the same level as Pelosi and her son with the uh, – The clap. What is that garb Fucking called? stupid clap. The oh, gin. the Kenti cloth? Yeah. This is on the same level as that shit. Um, like, we're just, as, how performative can you get before and still call it anything political other than just trying to get that screen time? Yeah. No, it's – it's entirely – it, that's the thing, though. It's like they're going – they're aiming for a different – well, maybe they're not a different demographic. They're aiming for a demographic that gives a shit about people's, like, crying and feelings, which, yeah, you should care about people's feelings, but it's politics. It's fucking politics. Don't go up there and fucking cry. Fix people's lives. You're getting paid $200,000 a goddamn year so you can help someone, and you never fucking do. Well, and the reason she was crying is because of how hard it was to break ranks with the squad for her. Don't fuck but yourself. it's clearly didn't have harder, to. she wouldn't have fucking broken ranks. It would, how hard would it have been to just vote no? To right. Just- no, there was nothing. And what does it fucking matter? What does it fucking matter that you're up there if you actually give a shit? about any of the things that you've said you'd cared about. You know it's going to pass, with or without you. That's why you vote present, because it doesn't matter. So vote no if you have any even even fucking cynical belief that it matters to maybe your base. You could vote no. But no, nothing matters. Nothing matters to her because she's got her bag. Yeah, I mean, and honestly, now that she's showing just how ready she is to play ball, I wouldn't be surprised if she does get a presidential run soon. Maybe not, maybe not 20, 28. Maybe not yeah, I'm looking at like 2032. 32. Yeah, when she's like pushing 40, that's when she's got to go. 
Yeah. And by then she'll be voting yes on all the stuff instead of present. Yeah, she'll just she's be just, she's just playing the long game. She'll be a minority whip under the you know, fucking disembodied head of Nancy Pelosi, Futurama style. And uh yeah. We're just gonna keep on doing this the same old shit. Oh, yeah. you, did, you wanted to get rid of the old people. Well, we have a new young person, and it's exactly the same fucking politics. Yeah, we just we keep keep that's the thing. We keep taking the new young people and making sure that uh, after Washington D.C. has spruced them up a bit, that they uh, fit the old criteria. Yeah, no, it's about it's you know all of this is cultural. It's all of this is consumer decisions. None of this is political when you get there. Because by that time, we've we've seeded away all of our means of control. We've gotten rid of any control over our military. We've gotten rid of any control over our uh, over the Federal Reserve, you know, pumping money into businesses at completely like negative interest rates. You know, there's it, it, there's no democratic control and the belief that doing anything inside of this bourgeois system like voting Will change that is asinine. I don't know. I get well, it. I, mean, I get it, it. But I just I mean, don't think day, it's smart it's just, it's and going to work. We have a Congress that can literally never do anything good for American people. Yeah, or anyone ever. Wait, actually, you know, that's not entirely true, Kyle. We did a lot of good for a few people recently in a unanimous Congress vote. Almost 12 people were really helped when we helped them with yeah. their Havana syndrome. Yeah. Oh, my God. When Kyle first told me about this thing, I thought it was like some kind of joke. And then I realized it was actually a real thing that had happened back in 60 on 60 Minutes forever ago. Kyle, why don't you go ahead and tell the people what Havana Syndrome is for those not paying attention? Yeah, if you were paying attention to NPR, really, is what I was listening to in 2016 as I was driving into work and hearing about this thing, this odd syndrome that's affecting uh, Americans stationed in havana and firstly you're wondering wait a minute why is there what americans are stationed in havana i mean they were but and we actually have documents Mm. that prove they were but don't worry about it all right so they're they're nominally not they may or may not be cia agents they may or may not be uh intelligence operatives operating in a country that we've labeled a part of an axis of evil and sponsor of terrorism um and one that we've had under embargo for over Geez, what is it now? 70 years? No, you be 60 there, years. Yeah. So uh, a country that we have forced into scarcity and death for for more than half a century. And well, but obviously, they, I mean, terrorists are sneaky. So they clearly still had some way to get the top scientists in the world to develop a super secret super weapon. Yes, of course. This small island nation, which has a... Uh, Budget of something around 20 million M with an M for their defense uh, has developed an incredible microwave energy pulse and uh, fucking doom ray, which gives something out of a side, you know, literally something out of a superhero novel using sonic waves and beams. Then, and obviously, a weapon like this would probably like exploded their heads or something like that. It's got to be something super powerful. They wouldn't waste the money on it's it otherwise. It's done something even more dangerous. It's given them tummy aches and headaches, and they're so tired, so they have to go home. They can't that, do their job. You know, that sounds to me like a hangover. Hmm. You'd think that that wouldn't be the case because our intelligence operatives, we know from long history, are teetotalers, people who are very uh, straight and narrow. They they're very they have a lot of restraint when it comes to uh, drugs and drinking, 
Mm-hmm. Obviously, and I mean, murdering people extrajudicially. <laughs> so, um, well, okay, but let, let's assume that this was a real super weapon developed by a co- country that doesn't have enough money to build by a one s- tank. Yeah, build a tank, let alone a, a secret super weapon made of sonic pulses. The science on the science on how it would work, of course, is fuzzy, wuzzy, wishy washy. But let's let's just assume that these CIA guys are totally telling the truth. Obviously, we've had scientists look at them and prove that their symptoms were were uh, caused by some kind of uh, astronomical means. Yes. You know, it's pretty weird because not a single doctor has corroborated any of this. You'd think that they would have taken these these claims rather seriously. But I suppose we don't really need to trust science anymore. Not as long as yeah. it's those people. Okay. Well, I mean, but I mean, the whole thing sounds a bit ludicrous. So when they came to Congress and said, "Could you please pay us money for the rest of our lives because we're, our lives have been ruined by this hangover?" Oh, Ray. I have a surely Congress, surely a Congress just said, "Get the fuck out of here." They wouldn't. I mean, they, they don't pay. They, they're not willing to pay a dime for like health care. They're not going to pay anything for these specific people's health care. Right? right. They won't. Right. Right. <laughs> Yeah, no, of course they fucking paid these CIA fucking assets, their goddamn hangover money, cure money, because that's uh, well, how I mean, we obviously are. Obviously, it was probably all the Democrats against all the Republicans for, just like usual. I think you'll you'll realize there are some things that we can reach across the aisle for. Oh, really? Well, I mean, was, was it like the mansions and the cinemas? Surely it was a close vote. Not so close as you might expect. It was uh, unanimous. Oh, well, doesn't that just suck? <laughs> so yeah that's the story of havana syndrome folks um a fake thing that, that is not real and that we are now paying a bunch of fucking whiny ass babies who work at the cia to get their fucking i don't know ibuprofen but th- we're paying them like a shitload of money for that ibuprofen <laughs> basically they're set for life yep yep don't don't worry about your uh insulin costs which will go up uh we we've taken care of this fake disease which is created by scary microwave weapons either developed for or by the cubans or russia or china or somebody imagine develop imagine like actually being like a supervillain and being like i'm going to develop a weapon that hits people with sonic beams and it will cause headaches <laughs> this is like doofenshmirtz shit everybody a real bad tummy ache and they'll have to go home for the day and then i will become the mayor of the tri-state area <laughs> yeah that's fucking yeah. great i no, i'm fairly certain that actually is one of the head and ache head head achinator weapons that he's created <laughs> yeah it's uh it's the it's just the dumbest thing, and uh, no one who's put two seconds of thought into this would buy it, but Congress doesn't have to put two seconds of thought into it. It's no. our CIA, and our boys would never lie. It's it's the They get to go out to dinner with these assholes in Northern Virginia, and they don't care about you wherever what in whatever shithole collapsing infrastructure town that you live in. They don't give a fuck about your insulin price or the fact that you're taking on medical debt. Fuck you. I'm going to go to French Laundry and I'm going to eat with this guy who uh, shot a man in the back of the fucking head. Or more likely now because the CIA is filled with a bunch of fucking... I hate them all. But they're all just a bunch of fucking, like, you know, college-educated dweebs. So maybe they're, they're not even probably doing that. They're doing probably Pete Buttigieg shit, like making Excel documents that end up fucking starving people. 
Yeah, it's it, it's not. I mean, that's the thing. The people are a lot of Americans have this perception that the CIA is like, even if they're evil, they're like cool secret agent evil. It's like no. It's not that cool. No. It's very boring evil. We stopped that's doing most, that. That's what 99% of the evil in this country is. It's very boring evil. All of our evil is as boring as you can hope it, imagine it to be. And that makes it all the less – so it being less cool seems to almost like it more evil. Yeah. It's like you're not even doing it for like the street cred. Yeah, no. You're not even doing <laughs> it to be cool, man. Yeah. Well, anyways, um, that's – that's more or less uh, all that has happened in big government recently. There's been a couple other minor stories that don't really matter um, about pointless, like, oh, we might pass this bill soon for relief. Uh, yeah, uh, or, sure. or, or, or Biden saying, oh, well, the f- we're pretty sure the fourth wave is going to be the last wave. It should be all good. <laughs> Biden and Fauci both saying, like, we're pretty sure the fourth wave is the last one, folks. should be all good. over for now. Don't worry. <laughs> um, which God. is basically their way of saying we've given up. Just accept it. COVID's part of your life now. Yeah, there, that was always going to be the case because we had – never had any either ability or desire to do the things necessary to fix this under Trump under Biden, same shit. But yeah, I'd like to move on to some of the more corporate dystopia that uh, is on the horizon. And that is new, the new Amazon town, Amazon city folks. Kill me. Just so leave me uh, out for those who don't know desert and let me die, please. For those who don't know, Amazon has decided we know how to fix the millennial uh, wage gap and make sure they have happy, fair lives where they have all the things they need. Just come and live in our Amazon town with our Amazon houses where you work at the Amazon warehouse and you drive an Amazon car and it's literally 100% owned by Amazon from the top down. And that's why you can afford to live here without eating like a single grain of rice for your lunch. Dude, I know that. I know there are people out there who actually would look at this and be like, yeah. Oh, they yeah. will champ at the bit because they'll be like, oh, a good uh, – it sounds like it's a great – like basically it all it's, it amounts to about a $40 an hour wage if you right. live in that – if you agree to live in that town. And it's like, yeah, it's at the cost of literally every ounce of your freedom. Everything about you. But like the uh, – I even beyond like the actual like coercive wage type uh, incentives that might be <laughs> forced on people to actually pick this, uh, I know – of people who are like, oh yeah, you know the people who who pretend that work life balance is be is making your work your life. The people who are like, oh, they do wellness seminars. They basically never stop working because they always are on call or they are always trying to do these kinds of like leadership trainings or some shit. They would love this shit. They would love to be in a company town, which you know I thought we abolished some hundred years ago, but nope, nope. The laws have become different so that there's new ways around them and as long amazon as it's a tech company you can have a company amazon down. has i want to say the most money but they don't anymore well i mean they, they as a company might still but yeah did you hear about um musk passed up uh bezos and he's planning to send him a big solid gold number t- number t- like a number two made out of gold and then also a silver medal what a fucking dweeb what a fucking dickhole. Like, because who you, because cares? Solid, just, we, we have, why not just throw that money around, just prove how wasteful we can be, just so that I can uh, say, ha, oh, I'm winning the pointless who, game of imaginary numbers. Who could possibly give a shit about this guy? I just don't understand why he has the following that he does. I mean, he's just like, he's the dweebiest prick in the world. Why would you like this person? And they all just fucking, they, his stupid reply guys are like, oh, hell yeah, that's great. Hooray. Oh, so epic. Awesome. Yeah, send him a gold star or whatever shit. And that's the, what he, he's, he's a creature of his reply guys and that, that's what he wants to do. 
That's insane. He actually must want to do this kind of thing. I just imagine him being like less cynical maybe than others in that he is just that much stupider. Yeah, it's I don't know. It's impossible to look at the uh, people who are winning the game in this country, so to speak, and like think I, I can't imagine the people who are looking at those people and thinking these are my heroes. Insane. Like, no. It's. It, I mean, I say it's impossible, but then, of course, I know there's tons of people who think that way. So they're all influenced just, to do that too. It's like it's something that you know the 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 world that we've grown up in has always done that to us. It's been like these are the these are the paragons. These are the ones that you want to strive to be, and it's always some capitalist that's just ruined everybody's lives underneath him. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Or it's and, a guy uh, in sports like who eventually became a landlord. Anyways, our most recent news event actually kind of ties back into climate change uh, a little bit, and that is one that uh, now that it's all over and ended in the horribly dissatisfying and uh, disgruntling conclusion that could was, could only be expected by anyone paying attention, the story of Steve Donziger. Oh man, Stephen Donziger was a eco uh, eco lawyer who won a seven point five billion dollar case against Chevron because they were poisoning rivers in ecuador what e ecuador like what e country i want to say ethiopia i'm like that's not right, that's not right. it's in south america it's <laughs> in, in the amazon equid and yeah he, so yeah he went up to he stood up to him face to face and he won he proved it that they were doing it and they have to pay the 9.5 billion they still haven't paid a dime of it mind you but as soon as he won he was held in contempt for reasons and uh spent over two years in house arrest, trying to get his case actually formally tried so that he could carry on with his life. And the case finally got tried and formally uh, sentenced just yesterday. And he now gets to spend six months in actual federal prison. God almighty. All because he tried to protect the planet, and Chevron still hasn't paid a dime of that $9.5 billion. They – the they, system works, folks. This guy who is a uh, – not Stephen Donziger, but the the man, the judge. There are two judges. The one who did the sentencing yesterday, she – or what is today? Yeah, yesterday. She is – because today is Saturday the 2nd. I know that we're going to be – this is going to come to you pro- this uh, – whatever, the, the 8th, 8th, 9th, one of those days. Yeah. So you'll be getting this a week from now, and he will be a week into his jail sentence – but he, uh, Stephen Donzinger, was working for the indigenous people of uh, Ecuador, who, of course, did a lot of the groundwork. And he mentions that in every interview. He is, uh, they wouldn't bring somebody yeah, he's in. He's not trying yeah. to, like, say, I did this. Like, he's not trying to no, act like he's no. some, he's not necessarily, he's not trying to act like he's a noble hero, but he's getting treated like the single handed villain. Well, because he is a white person inside of a white dominated country. Uh, he is being targeted as, you know, the English speaking uh, like surrogate in this country because we've already killed so many of the indigenous people. You can keep doing that, which they are. But, uh, you know, because Ecuador right now is um, not in a great place, like a lot of like a lot of fucking countries that we've meddled in, obviously. But uh, just I just want to say that because it's not like we're we're praising him as a single option obviously but um and he's been very open about that but he refused to give over to uh the um exxon lawyers his uh basically his his laptop with all of his communication with the people of ecuador which was like a ridiculous ask in the first place um, yeah, it's basically asking him to incriminate every single person who 
ever said that they had a grievance about being poisoned. Yeah, Will Miniker of uh, Chapo Trap House did a, a few interviews with this, and it's very well worth going back and listening to him. Yeah, very uh, informative. Yeah, and essentially he was put under uh, house arrest and contempt, the longest contempt charge uh, ever put against a lawyer for doing something which is essentially exactly what a lawyer is required to, to do. do. Yeah. Uh, and this judge is a part of the Federalist Society, which gets a lot of money from ExxonMobil. Um, this, you know, the Federalist Society, it's people like fucking J- the Koch brothers, well, brother now. Uh, it's it's assholes like that. People who are looking to deregulate, people who are looking to kind of, they call themselves like constitutionalists and patriots, but it's, it's, it's like Scalia, the dead piece of shit that he is, that kind of guy. Um, and, of course, he's making a lot of money off of this kind of thing. And that nobody's made any attention in the New York Times. Nobody's paid attention in Congress because Kirsten Gillibrand say uh, her fam- some of her family works for uh, ExxonMobil. Some of Jerry Nadler's family, his son, actually, is a lawyer at Exxon at a law firm that works for ExxonMobil. So the people of his district, Stephen Donziger of New York, New York, uh, they don't give a shit about him because even though this is a... a a private a private suit he's being held in contempt federally and uh you know he was held for 2 mm-hmm. years and now with another judge uh he's been formally sentenced formally sentenced to prison prison for 6 months yep and it's all and it's not because of any, realistically in terms of any other case ever He's no one would consider him even the slightest bit of wrong, wrongdoing, but he stood up to the people who actually keep their fingers on the system. And I would say that oil execs are still one. Going back to our climate change theme of the episode, oil execs are still one of the most powerful and evil forces in our they capitalist constructs. Are. And so they had to hold up a sacrificial mm-hmm. lamb. They had to be like, "This is what you get when yeah. you go against us. We destroy your life." <laughs> this ruling is going to end up coming back down on the people of Ecuador too. Like that's gonna end up being a huge deal. Oh yeah, I guarantee you they'll have to sacrifice some, if not all, of that nine point five. Oh, they billion. haven't gotten any of it, so it's like you know. Yeah, but they haven't gotten any yet. Say, but they'll have to sacrifice right. the There's, prospect you're, of getting. You're it. going <laughs> to die of cancer because we've been pouring uh, fucking carcinogens and oil waste, and you know, drilling in your communities that at one point were uh, you know fucking Eden. These are people who, like I had mentioned, like we mentioned earlier lived in harmony with the ecology around them they didn't need to do this overdevelopment shit that we were doing and then we come around and fuck it up because we need money yeah it's a clear sign that the system obviously doesn't work in favor of those who are actually supposed to be protected by it and only works for the people who have no intention but to harm others in the name of their own personal profit so until we change the system no amount of Mm -hmm. voting is going to save us from a this climate catastrophe or the evils that follow that trickle down because there is trickle down economics. It's about how much, yeah, how much can we make other people's lives miserable? There's, there's basically only one solution if we want to save this planet in time. And that is, uh, some kind of tangible revolution. Yeah. You can vote all you want. Keep, keep doing it. it. Why not? Um, yeah, at the end of the day, unless we start having mass protests, mass strikes in every single state, we're just not going to, be able to change their minds we know the score we're losing and the best way to to change that is taking them on together 
Yeah. Before yeah, before we can get anywhere with that process, we're going to need to all just uh, keep sharing as much love and solidarity as we can. Love and solidarity, y'all. It can be told in few enough words. We are not certain of his intentions even yet. They talk. So I am told.